Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of Blatant Homerism Podcast here. Uh, it was supposed to be an uneventful off week for Oklahoma until uh, the debacle in the Cotton Bowl against the uh, Texas Longhorns. Mike Stoops, longtime defensive coordinator, is out. Uh, Lincoln Riley making a midseason change. I've invited uh, Jason Kersey of The Athletic, a longtime friend of the show, to come on and kind of figure out uh, where things are going from here. So let's go ahead and welcome him on. Jason, how you doing, man? I'm uh, exhausted, but doing well. How are you, Alan? <laughs> pretty good, pretty good, man. Yeah, I can imagine it was a hectic week. Um, you know, let's let's go back to um, you know what happened uh, versus Texas. You know, people I think uh, were somewhat surprised that uh, you know that was what uh, pushed. Uh, I, I mean, I think that a lot of people viewed that as. That was going to be the nail in the coffin for Mike. I don't think that so many people expected that uh, it would come so quickly. Um, were, were you surprised at all? I definitely was. I mean, I I, I thought that the Texas game was, um, at that point, you know, I thought there's no way he can come back next year for sure. I mean, I thought this, this, ha- this has to end uh, at some point, but... Uh, I wasn't really expecting Lincoln to pull the trigger in uh, during the season. I sort of expected uh, that he would wait till the end of the year, maybe allow Mike to find another job, you know, that sort of thing. Basically, the exact thing that probably should have happened after the Rose Bowl. I mean, that if we're if we're being honest, like Mike probably should have been allowed to find another job, whatever, resign, uh, you know, and and you know, leave on good terms, whatever, after the Rose Bowl, and I and the fact that he didn't make that move after the Rose Bowl, I think is really interesting. And I asked him, uh, I actually asked Lincoln um, earlier this week if if he considered that, and he said he didn't. And I still find that a little bit baffling because, um, you know, that that would have been a really easy time to do it. And now you're sort of, you've completely uh, shaken up the whole season um, in, in a season where you're still very much in the hunt for the national title. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, do you believe him that he didn't consider making a change or that there wasn't any, you know, kind of uh, thought even on Mike's part of looking for something else at the end of the Rose Bowl, after the Rose Bowl? You know, I that's that's really hard to answer. I mean, I, I know that a lot of people, um, and probably correctly, assume that we get lied to a lot mm-hmm. by these guys, and, and I'm sure that we do to some degree. But one thing I will say about Lincoln is, is I, I never get the feeling like he's BSing us, you know, like, I feel like if he doesn't want to answer something, he just doesn't answer it, you know, and if he answers something, typically, I, I feel like he's usually telling the truth. So it's, um, it's hard to say. Um, could he be lying? Of course. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. I, uh, I, 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 I don't think he is, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, and that's, uh, I guess, leads into another question where, you know, there's been a lot of, um, you know, whispers behind the scenes that uh, basically Lincoln was told he had to make this move. Um, You know, I don't know if I buy into that so much as I think that it was more a case of everybody was on board with with the idea that of making the change right now. Yeah, that I I don't quite buy into that either, because. You know, I mean, obviously, there's a new president now uh, in Jim Gallagher. Um, David Bourne did not insert himself into these things uh, when it came to assistant coaches. I mean, you know, he was related by marriage to Josh Heupel and still 
didn't step in to intervene and stop uh, Bob Stoops from firing him <clears throat> a few years ago. So, uh, so he was never one to step in in, in those situations. And um, I, I, I guess we don't know enough about Jim Gallagher to know how involved he's going to be in these things. I'm sure he was consulted about it. I mean, we're talking about a big financial buyout, a, uh -huh. you know, yeah. something that's going to definitely go before the border regions, all those kinds of things. But, um, you know, I, I can't, I can't see a world in which Jim Gallagher <clears throat> called Lincoln Riley and gave an order to fire Mike Stoops. I just don't see that. That's not how OU operates. It's not how OU has ever operated. Um, you know, that's frankly, those are the sorts of things that have gotten programs like Texas and, and Oklahoma state in trouble taking orders and, or, you know, or from, or boosters believing that they can give orders. Um, that's not how OU operates. And so I, I, I find that very hard to believe. Yeah, I kind of side with you too um, on that. You know, I think that uh, well, that kind of actually leads into another question. You know, I mean, do you think that do you think that Mike un understood where where this was coming from? I mean, you know, it, there's there's word out there that you know he offered to step down right after the Texas game because I think he felt like, according to uh, rumor, you know, that he didn't really feel just didn't feel like he was getting it done. I mean, this couldn't have completely shocked him right no and you know it's funny my first year full-time on the OUB was 2012 which was also Mike's first year back and um and I would say that basically ever since then there is usually one game or two games a year where he comes in to the post game looking just disheveled and and just exhausted and, and pissed off and uh -huh. frustrated. Uh, you know, the first one that happened that I can really remember uh, was West with a table on Austin game in 2012. Yeah. That, that was like, um, he came in and like, wouldn't even look at the stat sheet in front of him. He was so upset and disgusted. And, and, you know, I mean, and, and I think that was the first time you really got the idea that, man, he really doesn't know what to do against these offenses. Like he's really having trouble whether it was a talent thing or a scheme thing, whatever, he was really like having trouble with, with offenses like that. And, and with athletes like Tavon Austin, um, I mean, it, people forget, I think that he played Julian Wilson at middle linebacker because he thought he needed speed on the field. So he pulled all of his linebackers out. He basically had one, one like actual linebacker on the field. If I remember correctly, or maybe none, I, 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 I need to go watch it. Yeah. I don't think he had any. So it was like, he was just throwing stuff at the wall. And so then the next year, though, it got a little bit better. And, you know, they, they had the one game against Baylor where they got beat pretty bad. But that really wasn't the defense's fault. Yeah. Um, that was completely inept offense. Um, and then the next year, there was, you know, the, the debacle with Baylor where he played the guys off, you know, 15 mm -hmm. yards off the, off the ball, whatever it was. I mean, so it just feels like every year there was a game where you sort of thought, man, this guy looks like he just wants to go home and, cuddle up in his bed and forget about all this stuff, you know? Um, so there's no way to me that he uh, didn't see this coming in some way. I mean, I, I, Mike is not a stupid person and <clears throat> he had to know that it wasn't working, but I also think he's a very prideful person. He wanted to make it work. Um, you know, I, I don't think that any of this is the result of laziness. Um, I think the guy worked as hard as he ever worked to try to fix it. It just, it just didn't happen. 
Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned that kind of demeanor. I mean, I think, too, that might have, you know, eventually kind of had something to do with this here because you can only, you know, when someone's that frustrated, you know, it kind of just starts to rub off on the message that you're sending to the team, what they what they observe. I mean, do you get the impression that, I don't know, Mike had, had lost the defense or lost his side of the locker room? Well, you know, that that's really hard to say because there are players – um, like Caleb Kelly and Kenneth Murray yesterday who have said how much they love Mike and how much they're going to miss him and how much he means to them. And then, you know, there's Buki Radley Hiles last night uh-huh. tweeting shockingly uh, about how it's different when you play for a coach you love. I could not believe he tweeted that. That was, that was the dumbest tweet by an OU football player, I think, since Joe Mixon saying that he was dedicating the 2015 season to his haters. Yeah, I really think that like that. I mean, that was just staggeringly ill-advised. <laughs> yeah, to do yeah. That. I mean, um, just, just completely and, unnecessary. Yeah, and 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 frankly, a little bit off topic here, but like, there was no one in the preseason who talked up, hyped up, uh, Buki more than Mike Stoops. Yeah. So I was that was very curious to me. Um, but anyway, so I, I do think that there was some tension. There was some. There was certainly, obviously, uh, to, uh, players in that locker room who didn't like Mike, who were tired of playing for him, who weren't responding to him. And then there were those who who loved him. And that's why, honestly, I think Ruffin McNeil was the right call to to replace him, at least for this season. Uh, I don't think Ruffin has very many more years left. I think that he's probably gonna going to retire in the next couple of years. He just doesn't, you know, he, he seems like a guy who's ready to, to, you know, to hang it up at some point. But I think Ruffin is a really good unifying voice for that room because everybody likes him. And that was really, I think, necessary after, after all this stuff with Mike. Yeah, and I mean, I agree. And, I, you know, it's kind of funny when Lincoln got the job full time. I remember uh, I was talking with uh, Eddie Radosich about it, and I was like, you know, I, I'm interested to see if he brings Ruffin McNeil on because, uh, you know, that's a guy who's been his mentor and he's a really well liked guy. And the next day, Ruffin was hired. So, <laughs> you know, it's uh, yeah. funny. He's, uh, but he, that's the kind of guy that he is. I know that, uh, you know, he's obviously very well respected in the media and in the coaching community. And, Seems like you know he has the uh, the ear and kind of the hearts of the players, but you know, you just mentioned he's a guy that is on his way. You know, kind of on the on the downside of his uh, you know career, he's probably looking at retiring soon. He uh, you know he was a full time defensive coordinator essentially for two years. Uh, is he the is, is he the right guy schematically to uh, be doing this? That's a really good question. Um, no, I schematically, I mean, I think that, you know, one thing I, I spent the last couple of days talking to some former Texas tech players um, who played for him and who were around when he was elevated to defensive coordinator in 07 um, at Texas tech uh, in the middle of a season. And uh, you know, one thing they said that, that I found really interesting is that, you know, Ruffin was all about making things as simple as possible in that, like, you know, I, I led my story with this anecdote from a former linebacker named Brock Bird who said before the game, they'd be at the team hotel and Ruffin would go over everything and he'd say, is there anything you guys don't understand? And if there was anybody who was skeptical about anything or hesitant, he just threw it out because he didn't want guys playing slow. And, um, and, and, and I kind of get at a place like OU, 
certainly there's not the talent that there probably once was on the defensive side, and that's something that certainly is going to have to be addressed. But I get the feeling that, you know, maybe something like that could really help them. I mean, I think, you know, they, they do seem to perhaps be overthinking things sometimes. They do seem to be confused sometimes. And if, and if things are more simple, I think, you know, maybe you give up some plays here and there because of that, but you also, I think, gain a bunch of really good athletes playing a little bit more free. And I think you maybe force some more turnovers that way. You, uh, you maybe make more plays that way. And so I'll be interested to see if he does that. Um, I, I think that there's certainly going to be a chance that some more, that some different players start getting to play more. Um, everybody wants to see Trey Brown start. I don't know if that's going to happen now or not, <clears throat> but you know, uh, one guy I get asked about a lot is Levi Draper. I don't know if he's going to play more. I don't know if Caleb Kelly's going to play more. So I think that's certainly something they'll, they'll, uh, they'll look at. And then as far as who's calling the plays, that's, that's been a source of a lot of confusion. Um, you know, there, there's been very sort of differing reports about that. Um, a lot of people saying that Bob Diaco will be calling the play, will actually be the one calling the plays and that maybe Ruffin is a little bit of a figurehead. I, I suppose that's possible. I mean, we, we've seen uh, situations like that at different places around the country, but Lincoln did say, the other day that uh, that Ruffin would be calling the games, and that's another case where I said earlier I I don't think Lincoln lies to us about that stuff. I think um, I think that if Ruffin was not calling the game, I think what Lincoln would have said is I don't want to get into specifics. We're still working all that out. You would have left it at that. But he actually did say Ruffin will call the game, and again I just don't think Lincoln uh, would have said that if it wasn't true, at least for the first game. Yeah, and I guess the one thing about that too is, you, you know, I mean, that doesn't mean that Diaco won't have a hand in putting together the game plan uh, and doing all that, right. you know, the him working, you know, in conjunction with uh, Ruffin McNeil on that and then, you know, McNeil being the one to uh, kind of put, put the pieces together on game day, but uh, I guess we'll, we'll see there. So, you know, let's, let's look ahead though. I mean, I don't, think that anybody's counting on uh Ruffin being the full-time coordinator after this year but am, am I wrong there uh I, I would say the odds aren't very good that that will that will happen I mean certainly it's possible I suppose but um you know I I would think that if anyone on staff is going to have a shot at that job I would imagine it's Bob Diaco just because he's young still relatively young he's got a lot of of experience he was a very good defensive coordinator at Notre Dame um, you know kind of a disastrous head coach at UConn and, <laughs> and certainly last year at ne- certainly last year at Nebraska was not good but he was only there for one year um, so I don't really know how much you can hold that against him but um, so I, I would imagine that he's probably the guy on staff that they'd look at and beyond that I mean here's the thing Lincoln is going to have his pick of a lot of really good defensive coordinators from around the country I mean what we've seen the last couple of years is is that you know Lincoln is willing to go get guys. I mean Shane Beamer is a perfect example of that. I mean, who who would have imagined that Shane Beamer would be able to be lured away from Georgia, a, a Georgia situation where I mean they were you know this close to winning the national championship last year. That's a great place to be right now. But but Lincoln was able to go get him, and so I, I you know I don't think that he has to settle for Bob Diaco or someone who's currently on the staff. I think that. You know he's going to be able to to go get somebody really good. I'm, I mean, it's a little early. I, you know, it's a little bit tough for me to to drop any names just because it's it's we, we're still so far from that from that uh, happening. But I, I mean, 
I don't think he's going to go get, you know, um, Bud Foster or anything, but I, but I mean, there's no reason to think that he can't go find a, a real up and comer or a really incredible defensive coordinator, give him a lot of money to come and fix what's wrong at OU. So, you know, the defensive coordinator is just one of the positions on the on that side of the ball, though, too. I mean, you know, this obviously moves uh, – we've well, it's already moved Diaco as, up to full-time staff member. But, you know, we're starting also to see, you know, if Ruffin is potentially on his way out or, you know, looking, looking that way. Uh, you know, if Diaco doesn't get the full-time job, you know, does he stay on as a position coach? You know, I mean, what, what happens with Kerry Cooks and Calvin Thibodeau? I mean, do you see – more changes coming uh, in the defensive staff at the end of the season. Well, that's a good question. I mean, I think I think certainly a guy like Tim Kish, who, oh, yeah. who you know, for all the for all the um, you know hand wringing and people being really upset about Tim Kish a few years back, I certainly remember that. Um, you know, his position group is not bad, and he's done a pretty good job. He's, his recruiting's gotten better. I, I mean, Tim Kish is, has not done a bad job, I don't think. But um, but because he's kind of a Mike Stoops guy, he came in with Mike. It wouldn't shock me if he was on his way out. Um, you know, Kerry, Kerry Cooks is very interesting because he's been a, a great recruiter. But, man, there are, there are some real questions, I think, about the uh, talent development um, back there. And, and, you know, the secondary never seems – to get better. I mean, how many guys um, have started off their career starting as freshmen and then you don't really hear from them anymore, you know, by the time they're seniors. I mean, obviously Jordan Thomas is the, is the biggest example of that, but shoot, there's uh, Stephen Parker was, was not playing as well as most expected him to by the, uh, by the end of his, uh, mm-hmm. by the end of his time at OU. Um, you know, there's just any number of guys that you could rattle off that, started out with a lot of promise and it just didn't work out. So I, I don't, I'm not saying that I think Harry Cooks will definitely be gone, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if he was um, really the only cr- member of the current defensive staff that I think definitely would stay on. I can say, I think will definitely stay on is Calvin Thibodeau. He's young. He's a no you guy. He's a hell of a recruiter. Um, and, and I think, you know, for, for the guys he's got, he's done a pretty good job. So um so yeah, I mean, I think I think there's a really good chance we could see a wholesale change in the defensive staff. And then you know, kind of just winding down here, but I mean, is this going to make the defense better the rest of the way? Do you think? Boy, that's that's the million dollar question. I I, I don't know. I mean, I I, I could see it. Um, I could see. You know, you never know what a what a spark like this might do. I think uh, they definitely needed a change, and I think. You know, with Ruffin being the guy he is, being the motivator that he is, perhaps that could that could make a difference. But I mean, he's got his work cut out for him. This team, this defense is really bad at tackling, and I don't know that that's something that can be just fixed six games into a season. I mean, um, that that seems uh, that seems a little a little far fetched to me. Now, I'm not saying it can't happen. These are good players, good athletes, um, but things like that, things. Like, the basic things that they're not good at and they haven't been good at in a long time. I mean, do I, do I think that Mike Stoops being gone and Ruffin McNeil being the coordinator and Bob Diaco being an on-field coach is going to fix all of that overnight? No, I don't. And I, and I, I, you know, once they get into some of these other games, they're, they're going to play TCU. They're going to play Oklahoma state. They're going to play West Virginia. I mean, uh, are they going to be better at stopping those kinds of offenses? 
I wish I could give you a better answer, Alan. No, but I, just I don't yeah, know. I'm with you. I mean, I, I, mean I, I think there's a, I think there's a chance they'll be better, but how much better? I, I do I, I don't see them getting like substantially better and finishing the season in the top forty or fifty nationally. I just don't. I don't. I don't know how that could happen in the middle of the season, but you know, I don't know. Yeah, I think that that this to me feels like the like the the it was done almost to keep them from getting worse if that makes sense like that was the real for sure. downside you know that's yeah, a good that, that's a know. really good that's a really good point and that's definitely possible that you know and cuz they were getting worse um you know the 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 Iowa State game the army game you know Baylor they were okay at times and then that game i mean it it certainly felt like something had to change because they were you're right they were only getting worse yeah yeah. Well, so then uh, tell us about – now you got an event coming up there in Oklahoma City tonight, right? What kind of stuff are you guys doing there with The Athletic? Yeah, so we uh, just um, added a uh, Oklahoma City Thunder writer, Brett Dawson, who worked at the Oklahoma. It's funny. We actually never worked there together. Hmm. Um, he replaced Anthony Slater uh, like two months after I left the Oklahoma. So we had never even met until like two weeks ago. Um but uh, but he's going to be covering the Thunder. We you know obviously I hope that provides a little bit more value for people who are on the fence about subscribing. Um, and so tonight, yeah, at Fassler Hall in OKC, we're gonna it's going to be kind of an informal small gathering. Uh, we're we're not uh, it's not going to be anything too formal or anything like that. We're just going to be hanging out, drinking some beers, and talking sports, and and hopefully um, giving people an idea of what we do at the Athletic and and why they should give us a shot. So it's it's going to be pretty cool. I, I hope people show up. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, listen, Jason, I, I, yeah, I say this, I've said this every time I've had you on so far, but I really do like the, uh, the whole, everything you're bringing to the beat there. And, you know, the way that, uh, the athletic is set up, you know, I mean, technology wise and everything, it's so, it's so nice. It's such a good experience for the user. So, you know, I highly recommend it and, uh, you know, really appreciate you taking time out to come on talk with us today. Thanks so much, man. You, uh, anytime, anytime at all. All right. Thanks to our guest, Jason Kersey of uh, The Athletic. Y'all go ahead and go subscribe there. And thanks to y'all for joining us, too. For the Blake Norman Podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy.